This is week nine, the very last week in this message series that I've called The End of the World. I'm so glad that you're here. And uh, before I get started this morning, so many of you have asked about our vacation and the wedding and all of that kind of stuff because I talked about it two weeks ago. And uh, we had a great time. I've been telling people there's two kinds of vacations for me and Chris. There's Chris's kind of vacation uh, where we go and lay on a beach and sleep and read a book for a week, okay? That's Chris's idea of vacation. My idea of vacation is to go somewhere and run as hard as you can, as fast as you can, see as much, do as much, and come home exhausted, all right? And that's the way we did vacation this time. So we did not come home rested, we're exhausted, but gosh, did we have fun. <laughs> and uh, last weekend, we, we did a wedding for a young man named Adam, who's like a son to us, and... Uh, and it was a beautiful wedding. Anything that could go wrong did go wrong, and uh, so I'll tell you about that in a little bit. And, uh, and then we spent a few days out on Cape Cod, the home of the rich and famous. They go to Cape Cod to vacation and get away and go camping. We found, like, camping is nothing like camping in Montana, not even close, because there's just millions of people on Cape Cod. They just move from Boston to New York, and they all go to Cape Cod, and go camping. So it was, it was kind of interesting and spent a day in Boston, which was awesome, uh, really wonderful his, history and went to a museum and, and uh, we just wore ourselves out and then we came home. So it's wonderful. Uh, the wedding was kind of interesting because uh, Alicia had planned this wedding and she wanted to have an outdoor wedding. She's a professional high-end wedding photographer. This is what she does for a career. And so she wanted her wedding, of course, to be just gorgeous and beautiful and, and picked this location that was just stunning to get married. And when she started talking about Memorial Day weekend, Chris and I were saying, have you made a backup plan? You want an outside wedding? Have you made a backup plan? And she said, Russ, I've done the research. Every Saturday, the last Saturday in May for the last five years, it's been sunny and beautiful. The temperature's been in the high 70s, low 80s. We've got nothing to, work about, to worry about. I said, Alicia, do you have a backup plan? Don't need a backup plan, she said. So last Saturday in Waterbury, Connecticut, the high was 44, and it poured rain, poured rain. So it was really hysterical. I mean, it wasn't hysterical. It was tragic. I meant tragic, really, from the depths of my soul, I meant tragic. Uh, but at the last minute, they're throwing up a tent because, you know, there was no place to go for a reception, so they got this big tent and they threw it up and strung Christmas lights and, and made it all beautiful and, and, uh, and still thought maybe we could have the ceremony out on the lawn overlooking this beautiful lake, and uh, it just rained buckets. So at the last minute... Uh, Alicia made arrangements. The owner of the property had a three-story barn that they've converted into a beautiful antique store. And the owner of that barn cleared out a whole floor of the barn, cleared all the antiques out, and set up 100 chairs in there. And we had the ceremony indoors. You want to you see a picture? Uh, it just turned out beautiful. These are the only pictures I have. I don't know how they got this picture on the right because it literally was pouring rain. It must have paused just long enough to snap a photo. But... Uh, and, and the indoor photo, I mean, it looked just like that. It was just, it just turned out beautiful. Everything that could go wrong did go wrong, but we had so much fun. It was just awesome. But I wanted to tell you a story, uh, and this has nothing to do with my message at all. It's just one of those things that happens to you, a story that I'll never forget. Um, 
Chris and I, of course, wanted to be ready for everything, and, and this was a really big deal, and people we love, and we knew that the photographs were going to be on the internet, so we wanted to look our best. So for months, Chris has been shopping for the perfect dress, and, and I've been on Weight Watchers. Chris has been on Weight Watchers trying to slim down. Chris lost a bunch of weight. I gained weight. That's, you know, whatever. And so I ch- chose my biggest suit to take to the, to the wedding. And uh, the, week before, the week before the wedding, uh, I took my suit into the cleaners and made sure that it was clean and pressed. And he told me how to pack it so it wouldn't get all wrinkled and everything. And the day of the wedding, uh, we'd gone out with Adam and we were celebrating with him one last time to hang out before he gets married and went and had lobster rolls. Have any of you ever had lobster rolls? They're amazing. And never had one before. And, and we were just having such a good time. We got back to the hotel a little bit late to get ready. So Chris and I are rushing so that we'll get to the wedding on time. And, and I uh, throw on my suit. I'm getting all ready. I've got my slacks on and a, and a T-shirt, a white T-shirt on. And uh, I said in the first service that I fixed my hair and they laughed at me. <laughs> so I'm evidently there's no hair to fix. Is that kind of what the idea is? I really did do what I do with my hair. And, uh, and then I thought, I'm just going to slip my coat on to see if it needs to be pressed. And I slipped my, my suit jacket on. And as soon as I put it on and went to button it, I noticed the top button of my suit was missing. And, um, and I was just sick. I said, Chris, there's a button missing on my suit. And, and there was no time to go driving around town trying to find a button, you know. And I said, what am I going to do? I can't really move buttons around. There were no extra buttons inside the jacket. What am I going to do? And she says, why don't you run downstairs and ask the concierge if, if he has, you know, a button. And I'm like, what hotel stocks buttons? I mean, that doesn't happen, right? But I went downstairs, and, and I'm just wearing my suit jacket and a T-shirt, and, and I walked up, and of course it's slammed. It's Memorial Day weekend. Everybody's checking into the motel, so I stood in line. Finally get up to this middle-aged lady, and I said, I'm getting ready for a big wedding. I, I, I don't have a button for my jacket. Do you happen to have a button? And she just said, oh, I don't, I don't think so. And she starts rummaging through drawers looking for a button. And there was a nice-looking young man standing right next to her. He said, what's the button look like? Is it just a regular black button? And I said, yes. And he turned around for just a second, and when he came back to me, he held out his hand, and he had a buck button that looked just like my, the buttons on my suit in his hand. I said, where did you find that button? And he just kind of shrugged at me, and I said, did you cut that off of your own jacket? And he said, I only need one. How nice is that? I still get goosebumps when I tell that story. What a kind young man. And, um, and, and so the lady came up with a little sewing kit. I sewed the button on, and I looked great for the wedding. So, um, <laughs> But there, it goes to show you, you got to be prepared. You can't just take your suit to the cleaners. you got to try it on and make sure all the buttons are there. If you're really prepared, right? <laughs> And, uh, and I told the story about, about the wedding and, and not having a backup plan because today I want to talk to you about being prepared for the soon return of Jesus Christ. And I want to ask you the question this morning, are you prepared for Jesus to come back soon? Are you there? And, uh, and if I, I listened to the podcast from last Sunday and I enjoyed listening to Pastor Dave teach, I always do, and um, one of the things he shared in his message was that uh, 
is, is that when he was growing up as a young person, he would hear sermons on, on the coming of Jesus Christ and be ready for the rapture and all this kind of stuff. And he always said, I, I, I prayed to the Lord that he wouldn't come until he had a chance to get married and have children, you know. And, and I can remember as a young man feeling that same way too. And you might share in those feelings. When, when we talk about Jesus is coming soon, I think sometimes we kind of like life on earth and there's things we want to do, there's things we want to experience and, and really, Jesus, don't come yet. I have too much that I want to do yet. Have, have any of you been there or maybe you still are there? Uh, if you've been a church person for any length of time, uh, if you're 50 or younger, maybe you've had some of the experiences I have where you've heard these people tell you exactly when Jesus is coming. They've put dates on it. Some of you might remember that that book that was called 88 Reasons Why Jesus is Coming in 1988. Do you remember that? And, and he didn't come in 88, you know, so all of us are doing the big eye rolling. And then a year later, he put out a book explaining why he missed one of the reasons and he was really coming in 89, which that didn't happen either. And so, you know, it's easy when we talk about Jesus coming soon, it's easy for us to become cynical or, or think, you know, maybe it's just a fairy tale. It, it isn't really going to happen. And some of us, I think, in reality, we just love the things of this earth. And uh, as we were praying about at the end of our worship time, some of us have let our hearts become so attached to things in this world that uh, we have not yet let ourselves really fall in love with Jesus and be ready for his soon return. I want to ask you this morning, are you prepared? Jesus is coming soon. We're going to read these verses from the last chapter of Revelation today. Are you prepared? Because he's coming soon. That's what Jesus says. So, if you've got your Bibles with you this morning, why don't you open them up to Revelation chapter 21, which is where we're going to camp out for a little bit this morning. Revelation chapter 21. These are the last two chapters of the book of Revelation, and therefore the last two chapters of the Bible and sadly, I think Revelation is one of the most overlooked books in the New Testament, and yet probably one of the critical ones for us to know. Travis, you're shaking your head yes. You've fallen in love with Revelation, haven't you? Yeah, I know you have. Revelation chapter 21. If you've got your Bibles, you can follow along with me. Uh, I want to read the first five verses together. Here's what we read. John writes, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth... For the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared, and the sea was also gone. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them, and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. I love that verse talking about the fact that uh, although in this life we have a very real sense of the presence of God, in this day we are going to live in God's physical presence. What an awesome thing that's going to be. And then verse 4 is so powerful. It says, He, God, will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, look, I am making 
everything new. Look, I am making everything new. Now, when I was being trained on how to study the Bible and how to really dig into the scriptures, one of the things that I learned was that whenever you see a word or a phrase repeated again and again, it means that the author is trying to grab your attention to this one thing. Do you see a word that's being repeated again and again in these verses? It's up on the screen. It's not hard to figure out, is it? The word new. God says, look, I am making everything new. And if you're taking notes this morning, here's what I want you to know. The main point of this whole message is this. God's promise is that someday he will make everything new. God's promise is that someday he will make everything new. And that includes where we live. Last week, Pastor Dave talked about the thousand years of the reign of Christ and then the battle of Armageddon that comes at the end of that period of time. And, and the earth is just going to be filled with war and, and disaster. And, and, and I really kind of think that everything is going to be so destroyed, it probably will not even be habitable. And so God is making everything, including our dwelling place, new. And the rest of chapter 21 focuses in on this dwelling place that is called the New Jerusalem. Here's what John writes in verse 10. He says, So he took me in the spirit to a great high mountain, and he showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. It shone with the glory of God and sparkled like a precious stone. And then he goes on to describe this city that is just extraordinary, uh, streets that are paved with gold, gates that are carved out of a single pearl. The foundations of the city are just made out of precious gems, and the beauty is just dazzling. But one of the things that I've always thought was very intriguing about this holy city, the New Jerusalem, was the size. It's positively gigantic, this city. And I wanted to illustrate it for you in some way that would give you a visual representation of it. So this week I went searching on the internet trying to find some stuff. And, and uh, I have to apologize in advance. I found a video that I couldn't resist showing you. But it's made by a guy who calls himself Weather Bob. Okay? Now that's, that's a signal that this guy is a little, a little touched in the head. Okay? This is the geekiest video, the nerdiest thing I've ever shown in church. Okay, I apologize in advance because it's just so ridiculous. But he does a really good job of giving us a visual representation of what New Jerusalem is going to look look like. So take a look at this. No, you shouldn't clap. Do you get the idea, though? Listen, do you remember how long it took God to create the heavens and the earth in Genesis chapter 1? Six days, and he rested on the seventh. Jesus said 2,000 years ago, I'm going to prepare a place for you. Could it be that these 89 earths of land mass have been in Jesus' construction plan for the last 2,000 years? Do you understand? He's got something amazing that he's preparing for us. Positively amazing. In fact, one estimation is that uh, 
depending on the number of saints who have ever lived and who will be resurrected and, and those who are yet coming to Jesus, there will probably be somewhere around 2,800 acres per person available at least. Uh, that's how giant this place is that Jesus is preparing for us to live for all eternity. And that's just in the city of Jerusalem. The Bible seems to suggest that there's, there's, there's worlds outside of the new Jerusalem and there's space. And, and it's going to be amazing. Jesus is preparing a place for us that is amazing. Verse 22 of chapter 21 says this, I saw no temple in the city. For the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. And the city has no need of sun or moon, for the glory of God illuminates the city, and the Lamb is its light. Isn't that amazing? I, as I've been studying this week, I've just found myself so excited to spend eternity in the presence of God in the new Jerusalem. But at the same time, Life here on earth is hard, isn't it? Life here on earth is hard. It, it felt like when, when Chris and I got home from our vacation that we were just barraged with phone calls and people in crisis and, and people that were hurting. Um, Dwight Jones and his wife Tracy lost his mother on Friday. She went home to be with the Lord. Many of you knew Edith, a wonderful, wonderful saint that served the Lord for many, many years and and I talked on the phone with Dwight for a while, and I found myself just welling up with tears because Dwight lost his mom. And I don't care how old mom is or how sick she is, it's not easy to lose your mom. Life is hard. And uh, we got the phone call while we were still on vacation about Hope and her accident and talked with Sarah for a long time as we were sitting in an airport on Wednesday and just processing what the future is going to look like for this 15-year-old girl that has met such tragedy. Life is hard. And I've talked with a bunch of others this week that are just struggling with the issues of life and relationship struggles, relationship problems, and, and broken relationships and relationships in crisis. And, and let, let's face it, relationships are hard. And when they go south, there's a lot of pain. Life is hard. Life is hard. Paul the Apostle put it this way in Romans chapter 8. He said, For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up until this present time. And we believers also groan even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he has promised us. Doesn't he describe it so beautifully? And, and what I see here is a promise that every one of us needs to hold on to, and the promise is this. The new life that we receive here on earth is just a foretaste of future glory. If you have come to Jesus, if you have said yes to his offer of forgiveness and your sin has been washed clean, if he's given you new life and a new chance, new birth, you've experienced the incredible blessing of what it means to come into the family of God and be reconciled to God the Father. It's, it's awesome. 
But it's just a foretaste. It's like when we were at the wedding, as soon as the wedding ceremony was over, uh, the, the bride and groom went out to have some pictures taken, and they opened up a whole area of this facility for cocktail hour. And all the guests filed downstairs, and there was this array of food. It was unbelievable. Big shrimp, chilled shrimp with cocktail sauce and stuffed mushrooms and calzones that were sliced into individual pieces. And I don't know what all that was there. I didn't get to eat very much of it, but the spread was positively beautiful. But you know what it was? It was just appetizers. It wasn't even the meal, right? All of this food, it's just to tease your appetite. That's what an appetizer is, right? It's just a teaser to help you get ready for the real food that's coming later on. And that's what this life is like, your blessings in Christ, the the way Jesus comforts you and loves you and heals you and, and sets you on the right path. It's just, the Bible says, it's just a foretaste of the future glory. You see, when we get to heaven, it's going to be unbelievable. Living in the new Jerusalem is going to be so dazzling that our human minds can't even comprehend it. So question, what do we do while we wait? (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Jess was complaining in first service that I made her hungry with the story of the stuffed mushrooms. <laughs> what do we do while we wait? What do we do while we groan in those times when we just sense that the struggle is so hard? Let me give you a few next steps. Really, these are the next steps that I hope that you'll remember from this whole study of Revelation. Uh, how do we live in this space between now and then? Number one is this. I want to encourage you to listen to the words of Jesus. Listen to the words of Jesus. It's interesting to me that the book of Revelation begins with Jesus speaking. And then there's all this stuff in the 19 chapters in between or 20 chapters in between. And then Revelation ends with Jesus speaking. And it's not just the end of the book. It's the end of the Bible. We better listen to what Jesus has to say in Revelation chapter 22. Here's what he's saying in chapter 22. Verse 7, he says, look, I am coming soon. Blessed are those who obey the words of this prophecy written in this book. In verse 12 of chapter 22, Jesus says, look, I am coming soon, bringing my reward with me. Verse 20, he says, yes, I am coming soon. Again, these repeated phrases again and again and again. What does Jesus want us to hear as his final instructions to us? He wants us to hear and remember he is coming soon. Are you prepared? Are you ready? Are you thinking ahead to what needs to be ready in your life for the soon return of Jesus Christ? That's number one. Here's number two. I want to encourage you to wait expectantly and pray expectantly. I think sometimes we live our lives without any clue that at some point, at any moment, Jesus is going to crash through human history and everything is going to progress as the book of Revelation has told us all about it. And we've got to be ready. We've got to be waiting expectantly. We need to be praying expectantly. Here's what John said in chapter 22, starting at verse 17. He said, the spirit and the bride, the bride is the church, 
the Spirit and the bride say, come. Let anyone who hears this say, come. Let anyone who is thirsty, come. Let anyone who desires, who desires drink freely from the water of life. And then in verse 20, he who is the faithful witness to all these things, Jesus says, yes, I am coming soon. And John says, amen, come, Lord Jesus. And that's that expectance that I think we all need to cultivate, that prayer, amen, come, Lord Jesus. Would you just say that with me? Amen, come, Lord Jesus. Say it again. Amen, come, Lord Jesus. That ought to be a part of our everyday breathing, a part of our everyday praying. Amen, come, Lord Jesus. So number one, listen to the words of Jesus. Number two, develop expectancy. And then finally, number three, I want to encourage you and invite you to live in your blessing. For the last nine weeks, every week, one of your next steps has been to go after your blessing. I've given you a reading assignment. Today, I want to conclude by saying, live in the blessing. Revelation 1.3 says, you're blessed if you hear the words, if you obey the words, if you read the words. It's interesting, at the very end of Revelation 22, verse 7, again, the blessing is reiterated. You're blessed if you obey the words of this prophecy. Live in your blessing. Don't let the cares of this world and this life rob you of the blessing that God wants to pour out on you. Jesus is coming soon. Amen. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Let's stand together, can we? During the break, um, during the break, somebody came up to me and they said that as we were praying at the end of our worship time, he closed his eyes and he, he said he could just see in his mind's eye, he could see those of us that are groaning and struggling under the weight of sin. It was like a soldier that's war-weary and filthy, dirty, exhausted, bowed down with the exertion of the struggle. And he said what he saw was that soldier just lifting up his sword one more time and bringing it down with a final blow, and the release came. The release came. I think that's a word that some of you need to hear this morning, is that if you will persevere in your prayer, persevere in your battle, the relief is coming. The relief is coming. And Jesus is going to set us free. We still struggle in this world, friends. But the day is coming when we will stand face to face in the presence of God. Lord Jesus, we, we bow our heads now and we lift our voices in prayer. And we say, Jesus, with the saints of the ages, amen. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. We've prepared ourselves, we're ready, and Lord, we, we want to spend eternity with you. 
And so as we close out our time today in worship and in loving you, we invite you to come and strengthen us for the battle, Lord. Strengthen us to keep fighting and not to give in to the seductiveness of sin. Strengthen us, Lord, to fix our eyes on you and to open our hands and surrender and to embrace all that you are, we pray. And now I want to invite all of you to pray a prayer out loud with me. And if this morning you're aware that you need Jesus to forgive you of your sin and set you free and reconnect you to the Father, I want to invite you to pray this prayer out loud with me from the deepest place in your heart as we all just pray together. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus Christ, thank you for loving me. I know that you're coming soon, and I want to be prepared. Will you wash me in your blood? Set me free, Jesus, from the grip of sin. And change me from the inside out. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen.